if your IRA has whatever X amount of dollars and you've got a friend starting a business, your IRA can invest in your friend's business in a debtor equity position. So make a loan or be an equity owner. Your IRA can be an equity owner of that person's business. And either the profits or the loan payments come back to your IRA. So it, it's also a way like your IRA can be seed capital for someone else's business. That could also mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. And so like to dissect that a little bit deeper, when you were saying you could be on the debt or equity side, if you were on the debt side, you'd be providing a loan and you'd essentially be a lender um, and you'd be making money on the notes. And then if you were on the equity side, you're, you're investing in the, in the business itself or in the, in the investment itself. And you're, you're making a return on investment. There's different tax implications with all of that, um, mm -hmm. different ways to make money. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we're going to dig into something that I believe most of you don't understand yet or aren't. Maybe you understand it, you've heard about it, but you're not using it in your life. And that's taking our retirement accounts, self-directing them so that we can invest them and control our retirement the way that we want to do it. And that's something that most people don't know about it. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest, Miss Karen Hall from Udirect. IRA services is here to join us today. And we're going to dig into this. So for those of you who, have, who don't know who Karen Hall is, Karen Hall is the CEO of Udirect IRA services, which currently have over 500 million under management. And despite being in the midst of a recession and mortgage market collapse, Karen Hall founded and made a resounding success of Udirect IRA services. She discovered a strategic way to put a 20 plus years of mortgage banking, real estate, state and property management to use. The solution was an untapped market for both her skills and for her investors, self-directed IRAs. Through Udirect IRA, she has guided tens of thousands of Americans through the process of diversifying their investments using self-directed IRAs. And so to learn more about it, just check out udirectira.com. Without any further ado, it's super exciting to have you here, Karen. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio. Thank you, mate. <laughs> beautiful hey so mate you know i'm gonna start here because i always start here i've got to know what's giving you the most gratitude today oh my gosh uh the message i got the text message i got from my daughter today you know just full of gratitude and uh um uh, you know got a, got some great kids so that always beautiful. fills me with gratitude beautiful beautiful you do you do so, um, you know, let's, let's wind back the clock here a little bit. I'm actually curious as to, um, so self-directed retirement accounts, mm -hmm. Let, let's start off with how you got involved in these in the purse first place. Like what actually brought this attention to your table, something that you wanted to look into further? 
You know, it's a good, good question. It's not like uh, when you're a little little kid, you you grow up thinking, wow, I really want to self-direct IRAs. You know, <laughs> it's a path that you, that you kind of accumulate. And I thought before, if anyone was going to fill my role, if I ever retired in a million years, like what would that person need to need to know? And that's a great path. I mean, besides a 17-year career as a broadcaster, you know, <laughs> or I did all that, that helps because here we are broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But then uh, made the logical transition into real estate. Like so many people, uh, you're working, you've got a job, and then you start dabbling in real estate because of it's just fun to begin with, and there's potential, and it's exciting. So I started doing that as a, at first as a realtor, um, yeah. and then I forgot the one then property manager in Seattle, and I was there for several years, and uh, moved to LA and started doing mortgage loan servicing uh, for for a while and um, ultimately mortgage loan origination. So all that mortgage business was about 16 years. So of course I was three nice. when I started. That <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so, so in 2007, I had this opportunity. So we, we know what the economy was like in 2007. It was, you know, it was, it was rocky, right? mm-hmm. super rocky. So, um, and it was getting rockier as we went on, but in 2007, mortgage wasn't doing so well. So I was looking for a job. And a friend of mine said, hey, we know, I know these people that are opening a self-directed IRA company and I put your name forward. So I interviewed with these people, really had a love connection. I went to work for them for two years and just hit it out of the ballpark for that company okay. and then broke off on my own and started doing it for myself. So that was in 2009. And uh, so then you're right. It was at that time, single mom, two kids, a mortgage, you know, um, it's kind of burn all the ships. It was one of those situations where that was my only path forward uh, for lots of reasons. And just boom, here we are. And it's, we're closer to 600 million under management now and we've got employees and you know what I mean? And, and it's good. Yeah. And and, uh, we're going to dig into what um, self-directed investing is right now. Self-directed retirement accounts. We use them. For those of you who have been following along with me, I'm a mobile home park owner operator. That's how I became financially free. And we use, uh, well, we actually create our deals by having a lot of investors join us. And a lot of our, I would say probably it's a decent percentage, at least a quarter of our investors use self-directed retirement accounts. Mm. So, um, so it's, there's, there's a lot of people that are using them out there, but not enough people that know about it. So Karen, how would you describe a self-directed retirement account to, to somebody? I would say first off, I mean, primarily it's, it's a tool in your, in your tool belt, you know, of, of assets or, or, you know, tools that you're going to use to build your retirement and build your wealth so there are a lot of things you use. And, and so if you've got retirement money, you need to make a decision. If your money is with your current employer, well, then it's there. But if you've left an employer or if you have retirement money on your own, where are you going to put it? In the stock market? Or are you going to put it into alternative assets like what, like the sort of thing that you offer? And, and I know we have lots of friends in multifamily and turnkey and, and all different kinds of asset classes where you can take your retirement money, move it out of the stock market, move it away from Wall Street and and put it into deals like, uh, you know, like these, these passive and sometimes active real estate investments and more, Mm -hmm. even precious metals, you know? Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, is the average person can take their existing retirement account 
Mm-hmm. And then, which typically would be in a setup with their company and they probably had a selection of, you know, you can select to invest in A, B or C, um, a diversified portfolio that, that that company's with. And most people have their retirement there and they watch it go up and they just think, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, but most people don't know that that is not, for the most part, if you're a savvy investor, that is mm-hmm. not the smartest way to invest your money because you're leaving so much money on the table. People that are actually, you know, you're investing with, they're making a bunch of fees, but you're not like necessarily in some kind of safe investment just because it's got a, a small percentage return tied to it. And that's actually something that I run into with my investors. You know, some people, if they mm-hmm. see a return that's above 10%, They'll be like, oh, this is too risky of a deal. And they think that if it's like 6% or below, it must be a very safe deal, but that's not the case at all. But that aside, most people don't know that they can actually self-direct that. So so do you want right. to dig into that for us and, and let people yeah. understand how they can actually logistically do this? Absolutely. So if, you, if you've left your employer, you can move that money into a self-directed IRA. If you're still working there, then your plan administrator might not let you move it over because of what it says in the plan document. Okay, that's the reason why. So if you've got money from a previous employer or any other kind of retirement money, you can move it into a self-directed account. We see it's like a three-step process, open, fund, invest. Open the account, move the money into it, pick your asset and invest. 100% of the proceeds from that asset go back in your self-directed IRA, the one that you know owns the asset. And if that asset has any expenses, then the self-directed IRA is required to pay those expenses. That's mm-hmm. in a nutshell what self-directed IRAs uh, do and how they work. But, you know, building your retirement with returns like you're talking about, that's where someone goes to, to a person like you to talk about, uh, you know, greater returns. Some, we, I've seen some amazing returns in real estate, um, you know, so yeah. it's, yeah, they need to talk to like the specialists and, and network and things. And we're not limited to real estate either. So let's let's talk about the limitations of a non-self-directed retirement account. And then let's talk about um, the, the abundance of things that we can do with our self-directed accounts. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you've got a typical retirement account, it's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, maybe a CD you can invest in. And of course, I mean, stocks, there's a, there's a lot of stocks to choose from. But still, it's all market correlated and it, it goes, you know, everything is correlated to the market. Okay. And like, for example, today we saw a big downturn in the market. And so a lot of those assets are going to, you know, head in that direction as well. But with a self directed IRA, you can take that and move it over into these other asset classes. And you're right, it's not just real estate, although it's most everything is kind of tied to it. But uh, for example, if your IRA has whatever X amount of dollars and you've got a friend starting a business, your IRA, can invest in your friend's business in a debtor equity position. So make a loan or be an equity owner. Your IRA can be an equity owner of that person's business. And either the profits or the loan payments come back to your IRA. So it's also a way like your IRA can be seed capital for someone else's business. That could also Mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. And so like to dissect that a little bit deeper, when you were saying you could be on the debt or equity side, if you were on the debt side, you'd be providing a loan and you'd essentially be a lender. Um, and you'd be making money on the note. And then if you're on the equity side, you're, you're investing in the, in the business itself or in the, in the investment itself. And you're, you're making return on investment. There's different tax implications with all of that, mm-hmm. um, different ways to make money, but you're, you're talking about ways to get involved. So if we peel it back and where to go mm-hmm. with a non-self-directed account, if we want to invest in real estate, we're pretty limited as I best believe we can 
we can actually draw on our 401k. I believe we can draw up to 50% or something like that. And then we can can use that. You can take a loan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can only use it for like certain things, right? Well, if you've got a 401k with a current employer or even a self-directed 401k and you want to take money out, you always can. And then that's just your cash. You can use it for anything. You could take a vacation, buy a boat. You could pay for your child's tuition or your own tuition, but you have to pay it back. It's a loan from the plan. So a plan loan is something that you have to pay back within five years, mm-hmm. um, at least quarterly payments. So you, so it's, it's a loan uh, you can use for any purpose, but with the and you can even use it for a down payment on a property that you buy personally. But when you've got it in a self-directed account and you're investing that way where it's not a loan, all the proceeds come back, come back if it's a Roth tax-free, right? If you've got a SEP, which is a simplified employment plan or a solo 401k, traditional, um, it comes back uh, tax deferred. So then, so what's like great about that, right? So what's good about that? And that is that you buy an asset, it increases in value, the money goes back into your self-directed account, then 100% of those proceeds can go back out into your next deal. You know, it's not diminished by tax like you would have if you invested personally. So that's one of the great things about self-directed investing is how you compound faster. Sure. And so if we were to go back to non-self-directing, say we lent ourselves some money, unless we use that money to invest wisely and make a return on investment, it wouldn't be smart from an investment perspective, you know? So, I mean, sure, yeah. we, could, we could use it to go on holidays, but it's not going to change our life financially. No. So to make, to make a good financial move, we want to be involved in something that's good. With our self-directed account, with our non-self-directed accounts, our normal retirement accounts, we are limited because otherwise we can't really access or benefit things outside of, you know, being able to get that 50% loan um, until we're retired, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah, no personal benefit, right? No personal benefit. The cool thing, and it's going to grow at the pace it's going to grow at, and it's going to be, like you said, subject to the stock market for the for the most part. It's going to be subject to the to the domain indicators on the stock market, which I wouldn't want to put my faith in that. And you know, I'm certainly not putting my faith in that, which is why I'm a recession resistant investor. Um, But so, but if we're using a self directed IRA, what can we do? We can invest in like a, a private placement. So we could invest in say. A, a multifamily apartment deal, self-storage, mm-hmm. mobile home parks, retail mm-hmm. buildings, single family. Like what, what other things can we do? Can, can well, we... one of the big investment classes that people like is even is buying performing and non-performing debt, mm. right? So like you make a loan to someone, you know, Bryce lends some money and now you've got that note and you've got the right to collect that amount. But now you need a cash that you need to, you need some liquidity. So you sell that note maybe not for 100% of its value, you know, or the remaining payments, but you sell it at a discount. Well, someone's IRA could come and buy that note from you and then subsequently have the right to collect the rest of the payments, you know. Now you've got a new loan servicer and it's the person that bought the note. You see that a lot with your mortgage where the loan servicer will sometimes change. You get a letter in the mail, okay, now you're making your payments to these people. It's because they sold their debt. And your IRA can can buy performing and non-performing debt as well. Uh, you know, uh, prime, uh, first liens, uh, junior liens. There are a lot, of, a lot of people out there in the circuit of real estate investment speakers that talk about that. So that's, that's another great. great asset class. Yeah, that's a that's a awesome that's an awesome niche that uh, quite a few investors are getting into right now. 
Um, and then also we've got precious metals too. So when we go onto all of our major precious metals websites, we will see that the, the high quality bullion is actually uh, IRA approved and there'll be the little IRA approved stamp. So, um, yeah. you know, not, certainly not giving any investing advice to anybody out there. Um, just letting people know it's available, you know, silver investing. I've mentioned it a couple of times. It's something to look into right now. Uh, physical silver, it's, it's, it's dramatically underpriced historically and, and uh, there's a lot of potential for upside. So something for people to look in, you know, there's, you know, I have conversations with my friends and here at Freedom Hack Radio, we live by the Freedom Trinity. So I'm always trying to push people towards financial freedom. And the stuff that I hear back from people, like the reasons why so many people don't invest, it's because they, they, they come from a very limited mindset where they think, well, if I need going to invest, I have to have like X amount of money for a day and down payment for a home. And then I have to have good credit and all this kind of stuff. And they think that's like their options, but people aren't even people. There's so many people that have a retirement account just sitting there that could uh -huh. be working for them and making them money. And there's a million different ways that you could make money through your retirement accounts. And there's all the tax right. benefits to it, but people aren't using them. And it's because people don't know about them. Yeah. yeah and so. it's a podcast like yours where they're going to learn about their, like, what are my options? Like, how do I start thinking outside of the box? And that's, that's what a podcast like yours is teaching people. Hey, it's not just, you know, forget, you know, you know, this and that works, but there's so much more. Yeah. So is there any other things off the top of your head that you can think of that are like um, types of investments that come through your firm, different things that you see? I know you're, you've got a lot of real estate investments that come through. Is there any mm -hmm. other things that we haven't really spoken about? Well, I, I think it, it does kind of go along these, you know, private, like we said, private placements, real estate, performing, not performing debt, precious metals, but also keep in mind your IRA can be the bank and can lend money to people. Like I was mentioning your friend's business. But it can lend money to people maybe for a bridge loan or something like that. So it can lend secured where, where you've got a security instrument, like maybe a deed of trust or a mortgage, um, or it can lend unsecured as well. And that's mm -hmm. a little, that's extremely risky, but you could do that. So you can make loans from your IRA, be the bank and, you know, and be doing this. There's, you know, some people that I know who started off their career, they're extremely into the seven figures right now who started off their investing career, making these micro loans on mobile homes, like the very yeah. thing, you know, the, the area that you're in. So these micro loans to mobile homeowners and just turning and turning and turning the money and, and just growing and growing it in a Roth. I know I inter I did an interview one time with somebody who's got a, he's got a million dollar Roth from, from just these kinds of, uh, of, of debt, um, you know, vehicles that they used in their retirement account. That's awesome. That's really, yeah. really awesome. We've talked about a lot of the upsides to investing using a self-directed retirement account. And I know along with that, there is some rules and some arm length transaction rules that come along with it. So do you want to just touch briefly on the, the things that we can't do or, or the guidelines that we have to fall within, within our transactions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really important to understand these rules. And the reason is because when you invest with a self-directed IRA, it's not really like investing your personal cash because of these rules. The rules are called prohibited transactions. So I like to say that the self-directed IRA game is like a game of keep away, you know, from these prohibited transactions. So what you do is, is first off, you can't have any personal benefit, um, but I should even back up a little bit further and say some people are allowed and some are disallowed to the IRA, all right? Disallowed people, it's you and your spouse your parents and grandparents, your kids and your grandkids, up, everybody up and down the family tree like this. Plus, you you can't do deals with those people, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, there, there's, a, uh, there's a, I'll get to that. Yeah, so, okay. so I'm sort of saying that, yes. But um, 
so it, not just as these people, but also any fiduciary, like a like a lawyer or your tax person or a realtor, no fiduciary. Um, but also a 50-50 business partner is disallowed. So those people, you know, you're not playing with them. But the people that are allowed are like your brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles, your cousins, nieces and nephews, your neighbors. That's all great. You know, your friends, that's fine. So you ask a question. There is an exception where if you've got a disallowed person and you've got this asset and you want to invest, you can actually do that as long as you invest concurrently. So it's kind of a loophole. As long as neither one of you had any ownership interest in the deal before mm-hmm. and it's a brand new deal and you you know you vest on title at the same time, you can do that concurrently. So that's the exception. But yeah. basically, a disallowed person doesn't get to benefit from the IRA, so your IRA doesn't make a loan to your um, you know to your child to go to college. The IRA doesn't buy a property your parents own, they're disallowed. So you don't buy or sell assets with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, no personal benefit. We had somebody say, oh, I'm gonna make a loan to my wife so she can start a business. Like, no, that's that's disallowed. You couldn't do that. Um, also, I think it's important to know too that, um, well, really the number one thing that catches people is that you're not allowed to offer services to the plan. So say for example, you've got a, you're an asset sponsor and you've got this private placement and you wanna invest your own retirement in this private placement, well, you probably can't because, you know, you're a C-suite person in that deal. You've got you're making your decision maker. You would be disallowed to that kind of investment. So you want to stay arms length. Or another example of that is we had somebody, and so he was buying this house, and we get this contract, and we're looking at it. And so his name was, you know, like whatever, you know, it was it was Gutierrez. And so the same thing with the listing agent was named Gutierrez. So we'd like, wait a minute, who are you know what are the relationships here with these people and and so our account holder said oh that's my dad so the dad is a disallowed person number one he can't provide services to the plan by being the listing agent so that would be you know that would be bad but he also wanted a commission and that would be a disallowed person receiving benefit so it's just before you do a deal in a self-directed ira call us we're going to say tell us about your deal yeah your name yeah so basically what you're saying that if you're if you're investing from a passive perspective and you don't have necessarily an active role in the investment then for the most part um, you could invest in that deal. Right. But if I'm but if I'm doing say I'm I'm a starting out and I've bought a little single family home and I want to fix and flip it because I've been watching HDTV and I want to use my retirement account to do it and I'm the one that ends up doing the remodeling then that's a no no right? Cause it's I can't work on it. Yeah. It's called an over contribution of sweat equity. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. But, but if I was to go do the same deal and I had a contractor take care of the, the remodels. Yes. Good. hundred percent. Yes. 100%, all, yeah. all day long. Very cool. So just any expense is paid for by the IRA and uh, all proceeds go back in the IRA. So as long as you remember that, then, then you're in good shape. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, uh, and I want to touch on a little bit more on compliance in a minute and your role in that whole process. So mm-hmm. when someone's going to invest, so they could, with their retirement account, um, another sort of myth is that people have to have a, a, a large chunk of money to invest. But if you're investing in precious metals, I mean, right now you can buy silver for under $30 an ounce. Mm-hmm. So that, it's pretty easy to get started there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what about, what about investing in like regulation A plus um, crowdfunding and stuff like that? Can, can investors use their retirement accounts to do that? They sure can. Yeah, absolutely. Can? So it's, you know, yes, uh-huh, A, B, C, and D, you know, all those regular, you know, reg offerings. 
um, you can use with a self-directed IRA. Absolutely. That's really cool because I've seen um, a lot of regulation A plus investments lately, and I've, I've been joining in quite a few pre IPO deals myself and those investments, you know, a lot of the minimum investment is like 500 bucks or like 1200 bucks. Some mm -hmm. of the more, you know, larger ones would be like five or 10 grand, but most investors don't know that they can invest that little amount and still make like awesome returns on it and everything. And then you've obviously got all your real estate, which is 25,000, 50,000 to, to be sure. involved in those sorts of deals. Um, and you have so, to be accredited, which we should touch on. So like a Reg D mm, offering and some of these offerings, you have to be an accredited investor, meaning that you have a certain amount of income um, that's you know promised to be continuous and ongoing. It's one level if you're married, it's one level if you're unmarried, uh, you know, like what your income is. But the accredited investor status is important. It was recently expanded, but not not significantly. So uh, yeah, not so in any way worth mentioning, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So what Karen's trying to say is that if you have a net worth of a million dollars or more, not including the value of your primary residence, or if you file your taxes singly and you make $200,000 a year in, in revenue, not net, it's gross. Um, and you've done that each year for the last two years and expect to do it in the future. Or if you file jointly with your spouse, with your taxes, and you combined make $300,000 a year gross or more each year for the last two years, and you expect to do it in the future, then you're an accredited investor. And that opens us up to pretty, we can pretty much invest in anything at that point, right? That we're mm -hmm. an accredited investor. Yeah. It's and kind that, of a license to lose money. <laughs> well, I mean, when make money as well, but, but what they're saying, I, I, I joke, but what I'm saying is that um, they're taking a look and they're saying, you're not spending your last dollar on this like if you yeah, i mean to say that if you lost that money you'd still be okay financially yeah. you yep. wouldn't fall apart yeah it's a line in the sand that the sec's drawing and saying all right if these guys bust out on this investment it's not going to ruin their day yeah right. and it's it's interesting because it doesn't come down to intelligence i know so many non-accredited investors that are like a million times smarter from an investment yeah. perspective but they have to draw a line in the sand somewhere so you're mm -hmm. saying that that gives us access to different deals now how does our self-directed retirement account work with that does our self-directed retirement account have to have that net worth um, no. or is it does it pass through to the to the individual who owns it it passes through to the individual so when we're looking at the subscription agreement it has um, a statement from the investor saying that they are accredited. So they're going to be um, signing that personally in the subscription documents saying mm -hmm. that, yeah, yes, in fact, that they are going to attest to that. Yeah. Excellent. And we're going to dig even deeper in on this on one of my upcoming freedom hacks where we're talking about the freedom trinity and I'm digging in on financial freedom. I believe that becoming an accredited investor is a very good goal financially. Um, so we'll dig a little bit more on that in different episodes. But how do you play a role in all of this? Like, can someone just go out there and do this themselves? Why do they have to come to you? Right. Well, it's because the IRS wants a buffer between you and your retirement account. And uh, so that, that's why we're here as, as, you know, as the, as the middleman, frankly. And so we do the tax reporting and record keeping on the accounts and, you know, report the 1099s for disbursements, the 5498s regarding value and contributions to the IRS. So we're the in-between. And that way you get your um, tax treatment. This, we ensure that the tax treatment, we don't ensure it, but we explain to the IRS that you should receive certain tax treatment for your dollars. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Yeah. And so can someone uh, roll their self-directed retirement accounts themselves without someone like you in the, in the role? Sometimes with a solo 401k, you can do that and you can be your own administrator. Uh, mm. Some, there are cases when you can do that, but with an IRA, no, you really need, you need a custodian. 
and you need it to be administrated. And I, w- I wouldn't recommend trying to, uh, you know, do this without someone like Karen and, and you direct uh-huh. because you guys, um, you're, you're the extra set of eyes and ears. Now, you're not giving legal advice and you're not giving investment advice and you're not telling people what to do, but you're seeing through the transaction to make sure it goes through smoothly and, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's pretty much, aren't you? We really are. And I think, too, uh, we were talking about prohibited transactions before. It's up to the account holder not to commit a prohibited transaction, and the uh, the responsibility is on the account holder not to. But what, again, we're going to talk to you. What are you doing? And we're going to look at the documents. We're going to review them here. They're going to get. They're going to go through two or three compliance reviews before it gets to the end. So if anything is immediately visible, we're going to point that out. Uh, but it is ultimately up to the account holder to make sure they don't commit a prohibited transaction. But wouldn't mm-hmm. you just, what we haven't even talked about is what happens if you commit a prohibited transaction? You yeah, know? let's talk about that. Yeah. Super important. I mean, does it sound that bad? It's just prohibited, right? It's not, you know, it doesn't, it's not a strong word, but what happens is it's just game over for your retirement account. It ceases to be protected, tax protected money. It goes to you, uh, you get 1099 for the whole amount. Maybe you have excise taxes or penalties if you committed a prohibited transaction. And then you're going to have to pay you know, taxes on all that. And that's going to be a, a real big uh, cost burden to you. So don't do it. So let's, let's have a, a scenario. Let's say an investor you self-directs their account. They start investing. Everything's going good. They do nine investments. Everything was by the book. And then on the 10th investment, yes. they end up doing a predi- prohibited transaction. They get caught with their pants down. What happens? Do they have to, all- do they have to pay penalties for all those transactions or just the one? Not only do they have to pay penalties, or not only are they going to get all, everything, all ten, all ten in investments suddenly become their personal property, but also that the penalties will be backdated to the not just the date of the infraction, but the date well the date that it became that the prohibited transaction was initially created, not when it was discovered, but back when it was created. So you you know you could be looking back, and a lot of times there's no statute of limitations on that if no tax return was filed. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it gets it kind of gets into the weeds there but yeah Yeah. it's it's serious and and you're checking over people's shoulders to make sure that this is not Mm -hmm. the case though right so you're not going to so much education i mean to your point we've got blog articles we'll talk to you you know i do you know 100 podcasts a year like like this you know awesome one we're doing today Mm -hmm. so that people really understand and they don't start to play the self-directed ira game without knowing who the players are and what the rules are you Mm -hmm. know you want to play to win and, and winning yeah. is, is having a great retirement. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the rules aren't even that complicated. Once you know the rules and you know what you got to do, then it's easier to stay between the guidelines. Uh-huh. Uh, you just need to get educated in that first part there. So, I mean, I would recommend for all of you guys out there that are considering using a, a self-directed account, make sure to reach out to Karen at You Hold Direct. Um, I mean, if you invest in our deals, we're going to send you to Karen anyway. So um, that's that's how we work. But um, so someone comes to get an account set up with you. I come to you to today. I'm like, Karen, I've got a couple of hundred grand. I wanted to roll it into a self-directed account. Mm-hmm. What's the timelines? Like how long does the whole process take? When can I start investing? Sure. So opening an account, same day where, you know, you give us the paperwork, we're going to get it open the same day. You'll have an account number and access to your account online. That's great. Now, the next thing we're gonna be doing is helping you bring the money in. So if it's, if it's a contribution, you're gonna write a check. If it's a transfer IRA to IRA, you'll fill out our form and you sign it. 
you give it to us and we sign it, we send it off to your custodian and they'll bring the money in. That could take at most two weeks, but more likely it's, you know, it's just a few days. If it's a previous employer plan, that's a little different. So you open the account, then you contact your previous employer's plan administrator, fill out their paperwork and they'll get the money over. That's gonna take a little longer. Um, and they're also gonna send a check and that's gonna take a little longer to clear. So it's open fund invest. So once the money is there and even before it's cleared, you can still give us the paperwork. You give us a direction of investment form. You give us the supporting documentation, like the whatever the contract is, offer to purchase, or if you're buying metals, the you know the, the invoice or whatever it may be, and we get it all queued up. So when the money hits, we can fund the deal, and now you have self-directed your IRA. And what would you say from A to B? Uh, what would be the timeline there? Like, is, are we talking like all, the whole turnaround to be able to invest in a deal is like a couple of days or a week or a month? Sure. Well, the best we've ever done, and in fact, you know, I, I do um, represent the industry at the, at, through the Retirement Industry Trust Association. So we talk about these things, you know, like like we're having drinks at you know at the at the end of the day and telling, hey, what's the fastest deal you ever did? And so what what I what I've heard is a consensus is four days from opening the account, getting it funded, mm -hmm. going through all the paperwork, and having the deal invested from opening to investing. Four days is the is the record. Okay, so that's what you can expect at the best. And at the average, I'd say maybe a week to 10 days. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty quick. That's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. For the most part, most of you investors that are out there looking for stuff, unless silver dropped today and you needed to buy it tomorrow, um, you're going to be pretty good. You know, most of these private placements and real estate deals, they're going to be months um, from, from when you find out about them until they close anyway. So, you know, 10 days or, or seven days is pretty quick. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I should also mention too about doing your due diligence before you invest. There are so many ways you can do it, especially when an asset um, is uh, registered with the SEC. Like a lot of notes, if they're big enough, their securities and have to be registered. Mm -hmm. And also the person providing that note or security like a like Reg A, B, C, and D, they have to be registered with the SEC as well. So yep. there are so many ways you can check out these people. There's FINRA, it's F-I-N-R-A, FINRA, NASA, it's NASA with an extra A, N-A-S-A-A, -A, that mm -hmm. site, the SEC site, um, even AARP, you can go on and, and type in their name and see if there are any infractions. We we had a client recently who was going to do a deal, and FINRA actually had suspended uh, that asset sponsor. So before they invested, it's like, oh my gosh, look at, you know, did you see this on the FINRA website? The person you're about to invest with, um, they're suspended. And by the time you know, come out a week later when we looked at them again, that asset sponsor had been actually barred by FINRA. So you wow. want to take a look for that. Yeah. If someone's barred by FINRA, that is, you know, a red flag and you want to know. Yeah. But always ask around, Google the people you're investing with, ask other investors who've invested with them. Because if you lose money in a self-directed IRA, you don't get to just write it off. It, you, you can't, it's just gone. And yeah. it's, you can't replace it because you've got these, you know, contribution caps. So, so let's recap on that because I want to I want to drive this one home really clear for all of our investors out there that are looking to take this kind of path. Um, so first off, we want to find an investment that works for us, and we want to make sure that the investment itself is the type of investment that we want to get involved in, and it has all of the return structures and everything we want, all the criteria we want. Then we want to make sure that behind that investment, we have the right operators, and uh, because you could have a, an amazing real estate investment, and then if it's poorly managed, the business plan might not be see-through, but if you have an average real estate asset and an amazing operator and property manager, 
manager, you can just knock it out of the park. So I personally think, in my personal opinion, this is not investing advice, that at least 51%, if not more, of your decision to invest in a particular uh, investment, um, if there's an operator involved, I think more than 50% of your decision should be based off their competency. Um, and then less than 50% should be on the investment itself. So that's your responsibility. It's not Karen's responsibility. You go to Udirect, they're not going to like do due diligence on your investments and tell you whether it's a good investment or not. Um, and you can't even do that anyway. So don't, don't go asking her. You have to know. I mean, if we yourself. see something, we're going to tell you. If we know something is amiss, yeah. we'll, we'll mention it to you. But yeah, but yeah, we're not doing the due diligence crap. Yeah, if you see a red flag, you'd be like, hey, yes. wait up a minute here. There's something sketchy about this deal. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is great. Um, so investors have to know what they're doing, um, to what they're going to invest in, but then they bring it to you and then you help them invest in it using their retirement account and everything like that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make that clear because, because you know, some people just want to get into these types of investments and not do any homework. I mean, look, the upside of freedom that you can have of having a massive retirement account and literally controlling your retirement there's a little bit of responsibility that comes with that. So we've got to get a bit educated. So um, make sure that you, you know what you're getting involved in before you get involved in it. And if you do want to start off with something super simple, like if you can't figure out silver investing within like a couple of hours, then you're not researching um, because it's a very, very simple investment place to start. But anyway, side note there. Um, so I thought I'd get into that. So mm -hmm. is there... Um, is there anything on the horizon that's going to change the rules significantly for how we use our retirement accounts, self-directing, any tax stuff or anything that you're aware of? Well, a lot of the tax rules haven't come out yet. All we know is, um, you know, now that we're in a new administration, that administration's plan that they laid out ahead of time says that there may be some different ways of treating the tax treatment for uh, contributions, for example you may not uh, be able to actually invest, uh, contribute pre-tax. You'll pay tax on your contributions, but then you'll get a tax credit on the other side. So that's one of the proposals. Another proposal um, has, to, has to do with uh, like care workers. That if there are sometimes, well, when you're 50 plus, you get what's called a catch-up contribution. You can contribute more to your account most of the time when you're over 50. So they are going to add that benefit to care workers. So in general, there are some additions and enhancements to the current structure of retirement as it is to the industry, but I haven't heard of any major overhaul, any major changes, just augmenting things that already are in existence. And, and I think with all of the stimulus and um, all of the money printing out there that we are going to see that come back on the people. <laughs> who are going to be paying more property taxes and capital gains and all this stuff. And so I'm assuming that self-directed IRAs and retirement account investing is going to be even more popular in the years to come because of this, because people are going to be looking to shelter themselves from all of these crazy taxes that are probably heading our way. Yeah. Tax-free investing sounds great. If you, if you can get your money in a Roth or tax deferred investing, that's pretty, it's, it's really the brass ring. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't really touch on, but you just sort of brought it up then is contributions. So if someone's working somewhere, they, they, they stopped working there and they're like, all right, I'm going to roll that retirement account into a self-directed. Um, mm -hmm. Can people still contribute to it? Can they still keep growing it from that, from this side as well as the investment side? Sure. Yes, they can. As long as they have earned income, active income. And as long uh, once you hit the age, it's called required minimum distribution age, RMD, it used to be 70 and a half. Now it's around 72 and now it's going to go to around 75 you know as we go forward but once you hit that age you can no longer contribute 
uh, to a retirement account. You can contribute to a Roth at that age, but not the other retirement accounts. So these, by the time you get there, those rules may have changed. Uh, so you just want to check with the current rules. So yeah, you can continue to contribute. Your contribution limits are based upon the account type, uh, your age, and your income. And we've got a schedule on our on our website, but it's it's always great, you know, when you're an investor, to have a lot of good, great advisors, like a great, competent tax advisor, good mm. attorney to, to go over your contracts and things. So you have this like, you know, tree with all the branches full of advisors. And so you want to talk to your tax advisor. So first off, they know you're making a contribution and they know that they should put that on your, you know, on your taxes and include it. Sometimes like with the SEP, they're going to calculate your contribution. So uh, you always want to bring your tax advisor in uh, when you're making these kinds of financial decisions. Totally. And um, you want to, when you're interviewing your uh, CPA, you want to make sure that they can handle the types of investments that you get involved in. Like I'm a real estate guy. So my CPA has to be really heavy on real estate and know all mm -hmm. the intricacies because we do some complex deals and structures and stuff like that. And then when you're, when you're interviewing them, you want to ask them, like, do you guys deal with, you know, self-directing retirement accounts and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, you know, you want to make sure that they're competent. So you were saying the people on your team, uh, you're saying a good attorney, mm -hmm. um, a good CPA, and yes. then a, a self-directed custodian uh, like yourself at, at Udirect. That's like a mm -hmm. pretty powerful team. And they all kind of, they all have a little bit of a different perspective. Everybody has a different perspective. But once we get all those three people together, there is a place to meet in the middle where you're getting all the legal protection, you're getting all the tax benefits, and you're doing it by the book. Yes. And that's what we want you to do. Again, like you say, it, it, it's all about playing to win and that's how you do it. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. That's amazing. So um, I'm going to change the dial here a little bit and we're about to wrap up. Can you describe to me what the ultimate freedom lifestyle looks like for you? Freedom. I feel like I already have it because I'm doing what I love and I think that's freedom, right? I mean, I, I, I can choose to do what I want to do and I, and I love what I'm doing. And that's pretty awesome. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I think that is whatever that definition is for you. If you're doing what you love, then great. Uh, but if you have to do something that you don't like, well, then you don't have that kind of freedom. So I, I would I would put that line in the sand. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And then do you have any advice for any of our freedom hackers out there that are on their path to financial time and location freedom? What's the biggest takeaway that you could leave them with? Well, a couple of them. One is don't think that, that this is out of your reach because it's completely within your reach, completely. Um, you know, like, like Bryce is saying, you know, you just start off with a little bit of silver. It's super easy to do. You don't have to be a multimillionaire and you can start growing. You could, you always get started. But the other thing too is be your own best friend and contribute to your retirement accounts, especially if you're going to get a tax break, you know, mm. so pay yourself instead of the IRS. And because you have to take care of your future self, not just today, not just this month's bills, but, and, you know, you're already listening to already a responsible person looking to do better. So take care of your future self and contribute to your retirement. Account for sure. That's awesome. And then as you're speaking that I just remembered one of the biggest topics that we're going to cover. So is it cool if we dig in a little bit? Because, sure. because, um, Robert Kiyosaki came out with a book recently called don't, uh, what's it? Uh, they, something stole my pension. Oh. Um, yeah. And so he's done a lot of research into pensions and social security and things like this. Yeah. And the more that we dig into this, 
the more we find out that all the money that's supposed to be paid out, it's just yeah. not there. And it's so it's there's going to be a lot of people that it's really sad. I'm getting tingles down my spine talking about it. Um, there's a lot of people who are re relying on the system's retirement account to take mm -hmm. care of them and the, and the money that they're expecting, it's just not there and it's not going to be there and it can't be there because it's already been spent and it's already been lost. And, yeah. um, and that's kind of crazy. So I wanted to really touch on that. If you guys want to catch up to pace, um, I think it, the book, book is called Who Stole My Pension? It's by Robert mm -hmm. Kiyosaki and I'll have a link in the, in the show notes as well. Um, but you know, self-directed retirement accounts are a way for us to control our retirement because the one that we're out of control of that's being controlled by other people has been irresponsibly managed. Um, you know, it's, I mean, we're talking about like episodes and episodes to really dig into the complexities of that. Um, but have you got a few, like, what's your two cents on, on that whole subject? Well, first off, I mean, you're dead right. And the, the pensions that we're talking about are largely like a government pension. So if you've worked for a municipality or something and you've got a pension, well, those most of those pensions are not fully funded. So there won't be the, the dollars that you're promised or maybe even the dollars that you put away may not be available to you when you're ready. That's true. There's also a, a, a really a fun uh, kind of thing to listen to. Um, oh, what's his name? Oh, Oliver, John Oliver. He, he is so funny. And he did this awesome expose on 401ks and how they um, the 401k plans, how they do take a lot of your principal out of your retirement account. So if you if you if you Google or look up John Oliver and then teacup pigs, because he, you know how we, he'll talk about something really dry and boring, like, and then he goes over and does a little vignette about these teacup pigs that are adorable. So John Oliver teacup pigs, okay? okay. And then you're gonna be hearing this awesome story about the 401k situation and how much of, of the money you put away into your 401k is taken away in fees on the back end that you never see. It is, it's, it's really good stuff. And it, it's just like the, the pensions. I mean, a 401k is, is a pension. So, you know, it's, it's for, for the long term. So you want to look at that as well. It's freaking sad, man. Like it, it, it drives me crazy. I can't believe that, you know, that's the situation that people are in, but you know, we've got freedom hack yeah. radio. We're trying to get the yeah. word out there because a lot of people just don't know. And, yeah. um, you know, God forbid if you're one of those people and, and your days are coming up soon. So for everybody well, else, yeah, but with the self-directed IRA, I just want to say that the only, we're going to tell you up front what the fees are, you know, like our fee is $50 up front, $275 a year. We're not taking money like, you know, like on the back end. I mean, maybe there'll be a few fees if you need something FedExed or there's a bounce check or we do have some fees are all disclosed up front, but we're not taking a, a percentage of your assets under management. So Which, which is completely opposite. From to the way that the system works on wall street wall street's making bank while mm -hmm. the general public is, is has already lost a lot of money and it's just getting worse so um yeah terrible stuff but it's not too late to do something about it and you're no. best off doing something now and taking control of it of what you've got there and so make sure to reach out to karen um, mm -hmm. call them at you direct and she will guide you all through the process super knowledgeable super friendly firm what's the best way to keep in touch with you karen continue well, go to our website we also have a free report there that you can uh, download and read about self-directed iras talks about all different kinds of assets and how you can put them in a self-directed ira so it's um, you know, the letter U, udirectira.com, udirectira.com. Our site has everything you want. Plus we're all over social media, all the social media outlets. You'll find us there too, to network maybe with other self-directed IRA investors. And in addition to Udirect, I own another company and that's 
that you that Bryce has spoken at. It's OCREA, Orange County Real Estate Investors Association. Now we're on Zoom, so it's so we're all over the planet now, not just Orange County, but we have that meeting the second Thursday of every month, and it's just education about investing, what Bryce does, what what other people are doing um, to help people, you know, build their financial future while while they're building their own. And that's and that's the other piece of the mix that we're, we're talking about before about getting educated on your investments before you come to current and, and self direct. You want to know what you're getting involved in, um, so you also do that as well. And OC Rea, great group, great networking. You guys are an awesome organization. And how do people um, find out about OC Rea? Can they can sure. they join it on Meetup online? Yeah, they can definitely join it on Meetup, and then you can join our Zoom meetings now. There, there's no charge to. Uh, you know, participate in one of our meetings each month. So that's another great thing about, but, you know, COVID has some silver linings and that's one of them. So it's an acronym. So Orange County Real Estate Investors Association, O-C-R-E-I-A.com. Dot com. And all of these links will be in the show notes. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thanks Thank for you. all of your expertise and bringing us yeah. up to praise pace and bringing it down for the layman. Um, okay. Any final words you want to leave us with? No, I think I'm good. Just thanks and, and get advice. Talk to your friends, make good decisions, do your due diligence and save for your future. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Love it. It's been great. And for all of you freedom hackers out there, I hope you've got a lot out of this episode. I'm your host, uh, Bryce Robertson. This is Freedom Hack Radio. Until next week, live large, live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at Freedom Hack Radio.